regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular features show. Hello and welcome to Regular Features, the show that is quicker than any other feature show on the internet. We are doing a special episode. Previously, we've only done these for emergencies. This week, we're doing them because no one could be asked to do an episode last week, and so Log had already written micro features, and we thought. Why not let's all do micro-features? The last time we did this was 2019. It's an advancement in podcasting technology. Yeah. You've heard of good podcasts. Now get ready for fast podcasts. Yeah, it's an efficiency measure. Twice the podcast, half the time. Snap off a lumber podcast. I've got a few... Fe- are we giving away what our features are like we normally do? I've got three features. There's too much to say. There's so many features, you yeah. cannot summarise them. I'm already slowing it down. Steve... Don't tell us what features you've got. Log, don't tell us what features you've got. But no, Log, have but you got something this is else? Not a, this, is not a, this is not a feature, but I have got important news from my house, where my partner Stuart has got the ultimate, the er uh, message read out on Radio 6. I'm going to play yes. it to you now, and I will tell you more about it after. Um, and Stuart in Nottingham is bopping around the kitchen while munching on a vegan lawn sausage cob. Mm. So obviously in Nottingham, not only can you get long sausage, you can get the little talked of vegan variety. Right, okay, yeah. It's exactly the same message as he sent before. No, 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 that is new. That is, you haven't heard that, Joe. That is... Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he has had a series of, of uh, vegan vegan snacks read out. But this time, is the, the fight, the, he's kind of reached a climax in that he said bopping and mm. munching in the same one. I, he, he's personally climaxed in a way from which you... If you ever had that orgasm, you would never have sex again because you've done it now. Why it's bother? Happened. And um, I just want to say, well done, Stuart. You've retired victorious with five sent and five read out. And now I'd like to see what our readers have got. Come on, lads. You can get, you can get some of read out on Radio 6 and you can send it to the Beehive. And like you said, Joe, send it to the Beehive because then you have to pay to send it to us. <laughs> you've got to pay to send us content. You fucking surfs. <laughs> well, that was a that's that can be your own micro features. That can be your but little contributions. Thing. Stuart there also broke character by lying. He was not <laughs> bopping around the kitchen. We we've never even heard of vegan lawn sausage. So um, I don't know. He's just spreading weird lies around <laughs> the nation now. I want him. I just don't want him to stop. I want him to keep saying more mad shit. Yeah, why? <laughs> why is this his retirement? What's uh, what's what's final about this? Well, I just don't know. I think he's he just stopped after that. I think because when I heard it, all I heard was munching vegan sausage, and I reacted with such anger that Stuart had to tell me, quite embarrassed, thirty seconds later, that he'd sent it in. <laughs> I'd be like, "Oh fucking hell, they're doing it again on Radio Six. <laughs> And of course, then I realised I'd been played like the the gullible house dimwit that I was. And I, <laughs> place to it, you win, you beat me. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Now we have to do micro features really quickly, and it's me first. <laughs> micro feature one. I went to the bakery this morning as I was waiting for my extra long sausage roll that I have the bakery ladies make for me every two days which is nine sausage rolls combined with an ersatz beef colk. A very, very <laughs> tall, posh man came in. Here is the unedited conversation from that posh man. Man, 
Hello, do you have a chocolate pastry? The bakery lady said, We have a chocolate croissant. The man said, No, what about a raisin pastry? And the bakery lady said, We have a raisin Danish. And the man said, No, that won't do. Goodbye. And he left. (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't leave in anger. It was just sort of a blank resignation about him. That simply won't do. Not not to my palate. Thank you. Did he take out a tiny notebook and just like cross the shop's name off a big list? This is it. What was he looking for? He was offered the exact two things that he had asked for and said no and left. So does he think pastry is one specific shape and that any (laughs) other shape is not a pastry in his verbiage? Does he refuse to eat pastries of non-English derivation? Is he Sasha Baron Cohen doing a kind of a prank, but much more (laughs) low stake? No, none of these. He's a spy. And I know this because I'm a spy, and I was actually meant to answer those questions, but I was too distracted because I'd forgotten my special card that lets me get a free coffee. Anyway, I'm a double agent now, and I'm going to tell you what the responses to those questions should have been. Spy one, hello, do you have a chocolate pastry? Spy two should have said, my fine friend, try the gazpacho. (laughs) This response is the equivalent of saying hello in spy language. It indicates that spy one is welcome in the bakery and that there are no immediate threats like polonium or spikes. Unfortunately, We have a chocolate croissant is the exact opposite code phrase, (laughs) indicating that Spy One is about to be hit by a high-powered laser in the stomach or fed into a big canning machine and turned into a chunky fizzy pop. That's why he said, no, what about a raisin pastry? This code phrase indicates enormous panic and his request (laughs) to send flowers to his wife, chocolate to his mistress, jelly beans to his children, and nothing to his mother. He hates his mother because she never let him put coins in the heads of those plastic golden retrievers that used to stand outside of supermarkets. What I should have said was a nonchalant, big balloons in the sky today, big balloons. You seen the balloons? They're big up there. Go have a look at the balloons. This would have set his mind at ease, except about his mum. That's not my responsibility. The response about a raisin Danish subsequently would have confused him because it means put the bomb up the planet. And that's probably why he left. There's a good chance he may be putting a bomb up the planet right now. God rest us, everyone. It is time for the next regular feature. I loved that feature, Joe. Thanks very much for that. But I'd like to step away from features now and have some real talk with my new feature, what I call real talk. (laughs) So, Steve, Joe, real talk. I love twiddling my nut bag. Steve, under the rules of real talk, do you sometimes have a conversation with Reese and think, "Mm, I do love Reese, but there's a really slight itch in my groin. I'll just give my nut bag a little twiddle. Yes. Good. So you maintain eye contact, nodding encouragingly, while your hand stealthily glides inside your pants. And say, while Anna, Joe, under the rules of real talk, while Anna is talking about how she's going to prepare the broccoli for dinner, or whatever it is Anna says, you place one finger underneath the skin of your ball bag, the thumb on top, 
and then give it a little twiddle like an upside down salt bay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then real talk, Steve Joe. Do the nerves in your nut bag irrationally over-reward that little twiddle, leaving your mouth slightly open in delight and your eyes a little widened? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were both going to say yes, Steve. (laughs) He asked us both. (laughs) He hadn't finished the question yet. Oh, I didn't realise. I was was pausing for your fingers. (laughs) Oh, I thought you'd stopped. Edit that in later. And you think, this is actually great because having your mouth a bit open and your eyes wide is is classic engaged in the conversation look. It must look like you're really into whatever they're talking about. And then, real talk. You remember that thing about the skin on your elbow that's got no nerves in it? So you can just like hang bulldog clips off it like a really shit Cenobite? And your brain says, compare it to your ball bag. It'll be like science. So you stealthily reach around with your free hand and you start twiddling your elbow skin, thinking, well, if anything, this will distract further from my nutbag twiddling, which is, if I'm honest, getting decreasingly subtle. Been like that? Ring a bell? Yes. So now, real talk. You're a little bit off-center, leaning around 10 degrees into the twiddling arm. Effectively, you're leaning over like a dog that's trying to process an unfamiliar sound. And this must look super attentive, you think, when all of a sudden, real talk, you twiddle over a large testicular vein and it's like driving over a humpback bridge and you say out loud, oh no. And that's when you catch your reflection in the kitchen window and you realize that your partner has different eyes than you. And just because you can't see your hands in your pants because you're looking at him doesn't mean they can't look down and see your hands in your pants. And they're just looking at you like you're a cunt. Real talk, lads. Has that happened to you? <laughs> no. no. No, it hasn't. And now it's time for Steve's microfeature, Richmond Sausages. Everybody loves the hot, wet taste of a Richmond sausage. Whether you're eating them raw out of the packet before an important meeting because you're very nervous, or angrily pointing one at the person doing the interview, there's nothing quite like these pork-flavoured cylindrical treat-to-meat treats, sir. But what if there was another way? Well, Steve's been sicking up Richmond sausages since two o'clock this afternoon, and he feels better than ever. Sure, the raw animalistic reflex of involuntarily expelling your stomach contents into a toilet might not sound like the best way to enjoy Richmond sausages, but the brief window of euphoria experienced when the violent biological purge abates gives way to a sense of full-body tranquility that would give even the most enlightened Dalai Lama a run for its money. (laughs) So next time you're eating a Richmond sausage and some Tesco plant kitchen bacon that you'd wrapped in cling film the night before and had gone a bit grey, why not consider vomiting it all up again into a bin or a plant pot in a lobby? You might be surprised. Smell, smell the well, smell the well, smell, smell the well, smell the well. Micro feature four. Here's a spooky story. (laughs) One day, Joe Scrabbles, who's a beefcake, woke up two hours (laughs) earlier than planned and absolutely freaked out that he hadn't put the bin out yet. I say he freaked out. He worried about it for seconds, thought about telling his wife, and then thought eating about that nine-gang sausage roll he was talking about in the last feature and went blissfully back to sleep. Two hours later, he woke up in a blind panic about his bin 
You stupid beefcake, said Joe out loud into the hot <laughs> fog of his luxurious bedroom. You didn't put the bin out, and now the bin men have probably been. Then he forgot about it and went to the bakery where he bought a long, long sausage roll and briefly encountered a spy. As he left the bakery with his trademark grease-stained poster tube full of savoury meats, he saw the bin lorry roll by. You fucking beefcake idiot, damn all your muscles that clog your nog, said Joe in the direction of the bin man hanging off the back of the lorry like in the old days. The bin men hadn't even been earlier and you just missed your chance to put a bin in their hands and wish them an unstinky day. (laughs) Dejected, he trudged into his house, which reeks of meats because he can never finish his sausage rolls. What he saw through the misty glass of his back door chilled him to the bone. His bin had been taken out and emptied. It it, it was probably my wife, Joe said, texting my wife. (laughs) I've written here. (laughs) What he saw through the misty glass of his phone chilled him to the bone, a two times bone chill multiplier. The reply read, that wasn't me. Who the fuck had kindly put out Joe's bin? It couldn't have been his neighbours. He'd alienated both sides by performing three-hour workout routines which involve a great deal of screaming and using their dogs as kettlebells. It couldn't have been the bin men themselves. That one time where he'd successfully intercepted them with the recycling, the man had wordlessly taken the bin and then put it back outside a completely different house ages away. The bin men hated him. It was the aliens again. It had to be. The aliens were back. He turned around cautiously, and an alien was doing his washing up that he'd left out because he was too busy playing Mortal Kombat 1 single-player campaign. He turned to his washing machine. An alien was inside, secreting sweet spores because he'd forgotten to buy washing machine cleaner and all his clothes smelled like a fat swamp. He turned to the hob, and an alien was preparing a recipe in preparation for his wife to return home from the office, which he absolutely hadn't thought about until writing this feature, and he needs to go to Tesco soon, so this will end. He crept closer to the alien and saw his recipe book. It was open on a page that chilled his bones so much that they all turned to ice and exploded and he died. The recipe in question was entitled Cake of Beef. And you should take that to mean that the aliens were going to cook Joe, even though all previous evidence suggests that the aliens were, in fact, quite helpful. The end. I love micro features because they often end in things exploding and dying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the it's it's nature's full stop. <laughs> but for real, I don't know who the fuck took my bin out. It's freaking me out. Cause both my neighbours were their cars were gone. So who's done it? Were their cars in the bin? <gasps> that would be really spooky. <laughs> There's a Berlingo in here! <laughs> a Berlingo's a type of car, isn't it? It's, it's not a that, Citroen it's, car. It's not that giant spider from mythology. <laughs> Who's that? Berlingo, the German linguistic spider. <laughs> <laughs> Let me Google. Giant horrible spider from mythology. <laughs> arachne. It's not arachne. I know it's not arachne. I can tell Steve's ill. Because he's interrupted a feature to talk about an <laughs> aside to that to the reader's ear would have happened pre-jingle. 
Stop googling spiders, Steve. <laughs> You're very ill. We need to Can't get you back spider. to bed, Steve. Can't you stop talking. I'm googling spiders. <laughs> He's forgotten we're recording a podcast. This is if this counts as a micro feature, I'm taking it. It's good. It's good. It's micro feature number five. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, I can't find it. The readers will know what I'm talking about. It comes down on your car late at night. What? Yeah, when your car breaks down in a spooky forest late at night and you can't get the engine started, you go out, you go out to um, look for um, petrol. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the um, and it drinks the petrol out of your mouth while you sleep. It's often said to be the, to be the case that a big spider will come down, get ya. What the fuck is going on? And I think it's called a balinga, a citron balinga. <laughs> is the name of the spider. Yeah, it's got a 1.2 liter engine, that spider. <laughs> Sorry, love, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, I've been getting a lot very political recently, so I'm going to give you my political speech as I'm standing for the for Harrow and Cheltenham this this coming time <laughs> semester. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to all the residents of Harrow and Cheltenham who've braved the weather today. As you know, um, my father was a dog shit Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> I grew up in the working class heart of this great country with a father who was a, a grubby little uncanny imp of a man who would regale my hardworking mother with poorly constructed riddles while she was cutting the crusts off my British cheddar sandwiches. Sandwiches that I needed to eat because I was a hungry little boy. What's got no head, legs, and a zip on the front? He would cackle in his bizarre dialect, completely misjudging how much of a giveaway the, the clue zip was, and that he could have said what has two legs, no head, and flies for an infinitely better riddle. Trousers, my honest working class mother would say, causing my father, my father, to hop from foot to foot and pull at his hair in a positively un-English display of frustration. Then she would <laughs> hand me my sandwiches, which I gratefully chomped to bits. One morning, I was studying hard for my exams so that I could be the first person in my working-class family to go to university. What has got a tap you can operate with your snout for cleaning your food bowl and a bark-operated tin opener? My father giggled through the letterbox in my bedroom door. It was his worst riddle yet. A kitchen for dogs, I replied. <laughs> and, my, and my father wailed in dismay and retreated to his wet little riddle chamber in the basement. One day, my father sat in his chair looking very pleased with himself. My mother, stoic and selfless as Churchill himself, looked at him in a very British hard-working way and said, What is it, Harold? And then it hit her. A stench of such alien, unfamiliar and malign foreign magnitude that it made her patriotic face drain of colour. Harold, have you just farted? My mother asked. And my father said, Who can truly say? And before either of us could reply, he dropped a smoke bomb and waddled out of our humble, honest home, never to return. Ever since that day, both myself and my simple, honest, hardworking and fundamentally British mother have wondered if my dog shit Rumpelstiltskin father honestly believed that working out who did a fart counted as a riddle. And that is why, if you elect me, I will use all the resources of the state to track down my dad and tell him in no uncertain terms that a fart is not a riddle. And even if it was, we know he did it. You might hear my opponents say that I should use my many millions of pounds worth of gold that my father had spun from straw in his basement to fund my campaign. To which I say, fuck off. 
The weird gold is mine and I want it. I hope I can count on your vote. Hashtag get the Tories out. And now to sing this lovely ballad. Here is Mama Cass. Sun shining bright above you. Nice breeze that seems to whisper, I love you. Bird jumping up to eat a berry. Beach a little peach for me. Go cabin that dog and Regular features they delight and thrill me. I'm still waiting for the name of my bee. Feature it a bitch for me. And now it's time for Steve's second micro feature, Medulla Oblongata. Hang on, let me. And now it's time for Steve's second micro feature, Medulla Oblongata. Nice, nicely said. The Medulla Oblongata is the bottommost part of the brain, connecting your main brain to the spinal cord. Big deal, says the cerebellum fans. (laughs) The cerebellum is responsible for coordinating subconscious motor control, controlling everything from posture and gait to balance, fine movement, and equilibrium. Which is the same as balance. (laughs) Without the cerebellum, say the cerebellum fans, you wouldn't have a stand to leg on. Mm. But when the cerebellum checks out at the end of the day, allowing your vulnerable flesh body to fall entirely floppy in bed, it's the medulla oblongata that picks up the slack. The zero-hours contract worker of the brain, the medulla oblongata, isn't afraid to get its labia dirty. It controls vital bodily processes like breathing, blood pressure, and a little old trick called heartbeating. (laughs) Heard of it? But so much more than that, the medulla oblongata is also responsible for the precious ritual of vomiting. The fourth ventricle of the brain is known as the vomiting centre which sounds like a room in an ancient Roman patrician's house, but is actually critical to any unplanned rapid gastric evacuation. Without it, any rancid Richmond sausages you'd eaten earlier in the day would simply percolate in your stomach, seeping toxin after toxin into your terrified abdomen until the whole lot exploded like a beached whale. Hmm... That cerebellum lots are pretty quiet now, aren't they? <laughs> the medulla oblongata, helping you to shit, piss, and sick since whatever year the humans were born. <laughs> Milk me, and then just hold me, because my name is Juicy Susan. And now it's time for Joe's regular feature. Joe steals Steve's intro format and gets a response from the Guinness horse. <laughs> classic. classic. I love this. I feel like I've heard it before. Last but. time I did any micro features, as I said, the intro was in 2019. And you will remember that in that episode, I had been inspired so much by a 14-year-old Richard E. Grant's lovely letter to Barbara Streisand that I revealed some of my own childhood correspondence to a personal hero. The hero being the third horse from the right in the Guinness advert with the surfer and the horses. 
<clears throat> You'll also remember that my letter involved asking that horse to stay at my childhood home to rest away from the pressures of fame before a protracted postscript in which I, in which I asked what hoof tastes like and got preemptively very angry that they wouldn't let me taste their hoof or even send me some. Well, I am pleased to say that just last night I opened my email to find an email written with a unique clumsiness that I can only ascribe to the fat fingernail foot of a 20-foot-tall horse that tries to kill surfers in adverts for kids. Here is that reply, edited for clarity. Dear Joseph, Whoa there, horse joke. I'm a new reader. I'm a new reader, and I can't express the surprise I had when I worked my way back to episode 330, Microfeatures The Return, and heard you talking about me. It's me, the third horse from the right in the Guinness advert. I'm so glad to hear you like my work and that you really got what me and the gals were going for when we were trying to kill that surfer by emerging from the waves and stomping with our big hooves on the swell. Little behind-the-scenes magic for you. One of the other horses actually fell in love with that surfer on set and they got married. So it was very sad for her when the rest of us actually did kill him in the sea a few years later. Haha. <laughs> I know it's years later, but I just want to say thank you for inviting me to stay with you at the house you lived in when you were 10. As it happens, because I am 20 feet tall, no human bed can contain me, and I eat vegetation at a rate of knots, so the surrounding forests in your area would have been rendered inhospitable, and all the badgers would have died. Lucky break for you, I guess. I'm sure you've grown out of the fascination with the taste of hoof by now, but I just had a lick. And I can tell you that they taste a bit like that non-edible bit of a corn on the cob. The cob, I guess. Cob taste. <laughs> hoof taste cob. Cob taste hoof? Anyway, I've attached a picture of my hoof for you to put as your desktop wallpaper. Don't upload it to wiki hoof. Yours with hoof, that horse you like. P.S. What does man hair taste like? You got a, head, got a bit of hair for big old horsey? I've tried a lot of mane, but I ain't never had a bit of man hair. Can I have a bit of yours? I know my teeth are all massive molars the size of bricks, but I only need a tiny bit to confirm my suspicions. Give me your man hair. I don't want to... I just want a few measly bits of man hair to wrap around my long horse tongue. Don't wash your man hair. I don't want to taste tresemme. I want to taste the man hair. <laughs> if you don't send me your man hair within 45 working days, I will find out the next time your dad goes swimming and I will crush him. I know he's bald, so it won't even be for man hair. It will be for spite. I will listen out for him from under the ocean waves, and I will come out of the sea, and I will crush him to dust. <laughs> and that'll be on you. Just get some little scissors, snip, snip, snip that man hair, and send it over pronto. Don't send pubes. I'll know. I want the top <laughs> hair, the hair from the scalp. Include the root as well, actually, or I'll kill your dad. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> You have 24 hours to comply. Regular features come Now, the belch of a man heralds microfeature number eight, which is Can this. I stop you there, Log? It was a Wendigo. A Wendigo. Wendigo. Uh, yeah, the Native American mythological monster. Was it that belch that knocked it into your head? It was. 
Um, the Wendigos are said to invoke feelings of insatiable greed slash hunger and the desire to cannibalize other humans mm. from, the Al- from Algonquin. Don't Wendigos have like antlers or something? Uh, they do. I don't know why I thought it was a spider. I think it was portrayed as a spider in the uh, theater stage production of Ghost Stories. Uh, the Citroen Wendigo. <laughs> Fuck up everyone around you. The word appears in many Native American languages and is often referred to as a Wendigo. Windigo, Windigo. Is that like telephone in Amsterdam? <laughs> Windgo, Windgo, Windigo, Windiga, Vendego, Widgego, Wintigo, Wentigo, Wendigo. And where to go? Because they're very fast. Ooh! <laughs> the Proto Algonquin term has been reconstructed as Wintekoa, which may have meant owl. Sorry, Locke, what were you saying? Sitting in this little office. Flicking away at the keys When he wants to make you chuckle You get a feature that's sure to please Lug's little features Probably filthy features that shock and delight Feature! And now it's time for microfeature number eight. We've been kebabbed. This episode has been kebabbed with spider googling, which I'm glad it bore fruit for you. So um, anyway, time for micro feature number eight. And I, I credit where it's due. This feature was kickstarted by a guy called Stephen Blythe. I doubt he's a reader, but he is a top Scotch gaybo that I knew in the past. Uh, so he on Twitter posted a link to the fandom page for Tubby Custard. And in the Teletubbies fandom page for Tubby Custard, um, it explains what they know about the liquid Tubby Custard from the television show Teletubbies. They know one. It comes out of the tubby custard machine. And they know, too, it's messy. And there are many incidents where the Teletubbies spill their tubby custard or make too much tubby custard. (laughs) And then it goes on to say, in what I can only describe as the fuck you for caring world of Teletubbies where nothing matters. uh, It goes on to say, in Swimming with Stephanie... The Teletubbies don't wear their bibs while they're having a cloud indoors. Additionally, Lala spills her tubby custard. So I watched that episode to make sure that that was a true and accurate representation of the events that therein occurred. And let me tell you, the issue of bibs is not raised at all in that episode. (laughs) What actually happened, a little fluffy cloud went into their house and began to disrupt tubby custard time with its wispy tendrils which attached to the Teletubby's fur. The cloud attached to Lala's leg in a way that I had personally found aggressive, and that's what caused her to spill her custard. Furthermore, after Nunu sucked up the custard that Lala had spilled, he went on to suck up the cloud, which mixed in Nunu's stomach to create a pink tubby custard cloud. Pink tubby custard cloud! (laughs) Now, if I was writing the synopsis of that episode, I think the genesis of a Tubby custard cloud is slightly more consequential than the fact that the Teletubbies weren't wearing bibs while it was being birthed out of Nunu's snout. What kind of fucking bib obsessive writes these synopses? And are they writing any other synopses in any other fandoms? I can't help but notice that Travel Bickle, Travis Bickle, during the scene where he's doing push-ups to prepare his body for the one-man war against filth, was not wearing his romper suit. I am getting distracted from what I actually wanted to write about today. What's most interesting to me is filling in the gaps 
in the Tubby Custard knowledge that was left in the fandom page. We know there's a machine that pumps it out whenever it's Tubby Custard time. But where do it am come from? So, <laughs> assuming that Teletubbies.fandom.com operates on the same principles as Wikipedia, I'd like to offer this citable explanation as Tubby Canon. Now, I'm going to put on a nice voice for this, so if you're going to quote it and put it in the citations, give the hot hot link the timestamp so you don't sound so I don't sound like really fucking wild earlier and I just sound clever yeah okay tubby custard is pumped by the tubby custard machine from an underground custard lake populated by a species of smooth grayish pink creatures that squirm and flex ambiguously in response to virtually any stimulus in the episode rise of the tubby noughts Poe left the tubby custard machine on overnight accidentally draining the lake completely dry. During the night, Tipsy's antenna began to flash, and in the TV in his stomach turned on in his sleep. One by one, the smooth pink creatures used their custard magic to emerge from his guts, like that girl from the video game Fear did in her movie, The Ring. <laughs> when the Teletubbies wake up, they implore Nunu the vacuum cleaner to suck up the writhing slug-like beasts, but Nunu reveals that he has got a large football-sized drug stuck up his nose and is out of action for the episode. As the Teletubbies try to roll the muscular custard slugs into a cave, the ghost of recently deceased Scatman John appears on Poe's gut to perform his last hit single, Scatman's World. The Teletubbies try to sing along, causing much merriment, until they notice the grey slugs starting to squirt and pulsate out vast amounts of tubby custard. They were the scat-activated source of tubby custard all along. The episode ends with Scatman John in the underwater cave, playing the last pink creature that was left behind like an ocarina, while it squirts out litre after litre of tubby custard. The final shot lingers on their faces as it becomes clear to the viewer that this process is agonising for both parties. And this is Scatman John's personal hell, what he got sent to for not wearing a bib during his prolonged scat sessions. <laughs> One of you out there, cut and paste the audio and put it on the fandom. Give this as a citation. <laughs> and then send me audio of you, what you got out on Radio 6. <laughs> I'm just looking at the teletubbies.fandom.com. It is a comprehensive explanation of the Teletubbies universe. Tubby Toast. <laughs> tubby Toast is what they love to have with Tubby Custard. Do they need their bibs for that? Uh, for like, no, they go bibless for toast. <laughs> I, we all go a little bit bibless for toast. <laughs> <laughs> I also like when you click through to teletubbies.fandom.com, there's a big link that comes up and says, are you a kid or an adult? And it's like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah, that what I wrote maybe needs to restrict be restricted to the adult members. <laughs> there are one thousand seven hundred and sixty eight articles on this fandom. It is a complex unit. It's like basically like Marvel. Two of these are African <laughs> dance and African dance plus dragonflies. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Can I read you some of the Tubby Toast entry? Yeah. Yes, please do. Uh, Tully, uh, Tubby Toast trivia. Oh. When all four Teletubbies have Tubby Toast together, the Tubby Toast lands on their plates in a particular order. Dipsy, Tinky Winky, Poe, and Lala. In the episode Dirty Dog, 
The order is different. Dipsy, Lala, Poe, and Tinky Winky. That's why that's a cursed episode. And if you watch it, you'll die. Oh, God, unless you go out onto the streets and kill a dog. <laughs> Micro features done. Well, that's it for this very special episode of Mini, 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 Mini Micro Features. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features and help us out by donating an amount of your choosing per episode. And if you give us two pounds an episode, we will do two very special things. One, we will invite you to our patron-exclusive Discord channel. We call it the Beehive. It's where we all hang out and trade secrets. Thing number two, we will destroy your human name and replace it with a bee name. Boys, it's bee name duty time. It's time to give bee names to the new patrons. Could you please give a bee name to Liam Rushton? Rush to the explosive ejaculate. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm not going to. I'm not saying that. But I do want to say <laughs> that um, Grant Howitt, who I believe is a, a bee in our own hive ourselves, did post something on Twitter today that let us know that bees, when they ejaculate, do so with such force that it makes a, an audible popping sound. So if you hear a popping sound in the wild, that might be a bee coming so hard it kills itself. And also, Whoa. people were treating this as if it was known information. I didn't yeah, realise that bees ejaculating kills them. No, I, I didn't know that as well. People was, yeah, the idea that someone said, well, I knew it killed them, and I didn't know it, I could hear it. It's like, <laughs> This is all new. This is a wonderful world we're living in. Powerful law. I knew that bees famously die when they sting you. Mm. But did you know they come their stingers off? (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that bees do that don't result in death? (laughs) I don't think so. I think once they make one hexagon, probably just shagged out and die. (laughs) (laughs) One one hexagon, they're so excited they spunk their stinger off and... (laughs) fart their way out of the hive and die on the floor. <laughs> Leaving a perfectly bee-shaped hole in the side of the hive, <laughs> like a cartoon character. Giving us phrases like, once the endophallus has been averted, the drone is paralysed, flipping backwards as he ejaculates. Is any of this Liam Rushton's bee name? Um, Liam Rushton's bee name is Flip backwards as you ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bee name and a command. <laughs> a bee name, please, for Mafalda Meyer. Through the Queen's sting chamber and into the overduct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you need to get you off this page, Lock. <laughs> it's only four sentences, but it's fucking pregnant with gold. <laughs> I'll say. And I would like to announce a provisional free bee name. Don't say free, otherwise they'll all want one. Don't say free, it's provisional. Say gift. It does not last forever. This 
B name is valid for two months because we've got a, a lovely B, B2B, who is going into hospital next week and we want to wish them all the best. And your provisional B name, Kaiser, is Bulb of the Endophallus. <laughs> <laughs> and may that speed you through your recovery. <laughs> Bulb of the Endophallus. It's a great name, that. And it's what is broken off when you ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> when you ejaculate, maybe. <laughs> My Endophallus is very smooth. No bulbs to be seen. <laughs> well, if you'd like your own B name, patron.com forward slash regular features. I think we should start charging per feature, not per episode. Oh, wow. Could you imagine? Oh, shit. Kachingus. We could be millionaires. Uh, I'm going to go uh, get sick again. So um, what do you boys have to say about that? Have you been feeling nauseous all day, all through this feature episode? I have been up and down. When were you most nauseous? Uh, just right now, towards the end, with the bulb of the endophallus popping oh. and coming off, I think <laughs> Wait, that's just, triggered. Go, why don't you just Google a spider? That seems to be your like happy place. Yeah, it's he loves learning so much. He had to learn during both your features. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what are you going to learn about next, Steve? What's 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 on the cards between the next bout? Probably an endophallus. I think. Yeah, nice. Let's all go and just swap texts about the endophallus while we wait for next week's episode of Regular Features. Good night. Good night. Tubby, bye. Regular Features. Regular Features. Regular Features. I assume it's the end of the phallus. Yeah, almost. It's not like the opposite of an ex- exophallus. No. So it's the inside of a phallus. But it's got a bulb. So wait, do the, does the exophallus stay on, but the endophallus... Exo means out. Exo is an outside skeleton, but yeah. not skeletons here. <laughs> so yes. it's like a phallus that you have in... Oh, because I imagine bees have penis internal penises. Mm. Yeah, I've seen bees flying around. They don't have big dicks <laughs> hanging off. They're <laughs> 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 nutbag, <laughs> slapping into a tree. <laughs> oh, I got it on a pedal again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad they've got endophalli. Good on them. I love the image of bee with the big dick and balls hanging off. Just- absolutely guided by where it's pointing showing up to your picnic <laughs> just like Dra- dragging like a... it along your picnic blanket <laughs> just pulling along a sandwich underneath it and doesn't even know like a four inch long phallus <laughs> off a off a tiny bee it's just it's got all the pollen it doesn't it's not interested in the sandwich it's got all the pollen needs on its legs yeah, it's just accidental he just doesn't know he's doing it because of the exophallus it takes all the feeling away poor old bees it's rude to look at it as well because yeah. it's like it's changing room rules bees just going about its business <laughs> happens to have a big old dick <laughs> honking endophallus. Honking endophallus. <laughs> a pleasing way to end a conversation with your friends. It's oh. good.